You are a gift from God to this world. You are not a problem for God to fix. You are a gift from God to this world. Every single one of you. You were created by a loving, powerful God who is at work right now in this world to restore and repair, renew and redeem all things in and through Christ. And you were created to participate in that work in unique ways, ways that only you can participate. And this is what God most wants for you. This is what God dreams about for you. This is what brings God the most joy. This idea that you would participate in his work in unique ways that only you can participate. There's an ancient saint who put it this way. Saint Irenaeus said this. He said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. And I submit to you that to be fully alive, we need to know God and we need to know ourselves. Two great mysteries. The God of the universe and our own unique, some might say weird, selves. And so for the next five weeks, as Jeff described, we're going to explore this idea in this series called Known, the idea that knowing ourselves better can help us know God, and that coming to know God more and more deeply can help us to know ourselves. And those things work together in helping us become more fully alive. And I want to say to you that this is not modern-day psychological, new-age, psychobabble gobbledygook. It's my favorite sentence I ever wrote. This is actually the thinking of the ancient church fathers and mothers, but nobody quoted them. So St. Augustine, you probably have heard of him, a fourth-century great theologian, very serious, prayed this, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Thomas Akempis, a 15th century priest, said a humble self-knowledge is a surer way to God than a search after deep learning. And John Calvin the very serious, no-smiling, 16th-century Reformed theologian and pastor said this. He says, there's no deep knowing of God without a deep knowing of self, and no deep knowing of self without a deep knowing of God. These are serious theologians, people. This is not Dr. Phil up here, okay? Know God. Know yourself perfect dual knowledge. And there's this beautiful verse in the book of Romans, which is really a letter to the church at Rome, written by the apostle Paul, one of the founders of the earliest churches. There's a a passage in the very first part of this letter that says that we human beings can understand our creator more and more by looking at his creation. And one of God's most amazing and troubling 
creations is ourself. We can know God by seeking to know ourselves. And one of the ways we can better know ourselves is by figuring out or reminding ourselves again, what brings us life? What brings us joy? What gives us a sense of purpose and meaning when we're doing it? What kinds of things do we engage in that help us know we're making a contribution with our life to this world? And I would bet that one or more of those things that bring you life and joy is probably what we would call your spiritual gift. Which, if you've not heard that phrase before, can sound a bit weird, can sound a bit like, woo, like, I have a spiritual gift. You know what I mean? Can sound a little weird. But I'm hoping to bring it kind of down to earth this morning by looking at one verse from the New Testament that I think, I hope, and pray will help us each take one step forward toward understanding and using our gifts and, and, and realizing that using our gifts for the good of others in this world is one of the most powerful ways we can become a fully alive human being and that we can also know God better. And, you know, this whole concept of spiritual gifts uh, is really at the very core, it's the very heartbeat, it's the very center of who Orchard Hill is. And here's another Davism for those of you who, who heard the top 10 list. Um, at the gathering, here's another Davism. If you don't understand spiritual gifts, you will have a hard time understanding Orchard Hill Church and how we work. So if you're new here, you know, listen up because this will help you understand us a bit better. If you're old here, I see you out there, maybe this will help you dream again. Okay, one verse from the letter of the Apostle Paul, another letter to a young church in the city of Corinth. This is from what we call the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. Paul is talking all about spiritual gifts. And in verse 7, he writes this one verse. He says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What Paul is saying is there is a spark of the divine, a flow of holy energy that is the actual power of the Spirit of God that lives in us and flows out of us for the sake of our neighbors and for the sake of the broken world all around us. And I don't know about you, but I want to know more about that. I want to understand that better so I can be a part of that. So I walked through this verse word by word this week, unpacking it, studying it, and I want to kind of share that with you in the hopes that it's encouraging to you. And while I'm doing that, I want you to be thinking to yourself, all while listening very carefully to me, what is the spark of the divine in me? Where do I see the spark of the divine in me? Not, is it there? Because I'm telling you that it is. But what is it? Here we go. First part of this verse, Paul writes, to each, to each. 
And I immediately asked myself, to each of who? Or as my mother would tell me to say, to each of whom? And so, you know, I have that question, to each, who's Paul talking about? When I have a question about a part of the Bible, I ask myself, what kind of genre am I reading? Remember back to high school, English class? Is, is this a letter that I'm reading? Is this poetry? Is this history? What is it that I'm reading? And I'm reading a letter. So I want to know to whom Paul is writing when he says to each. And so I go back to the very beginning of the letter where Paul is addressing to whom he is writing. And this is what I read. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 2. It says, I love that. Thank you. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. That is to whom Paul is writing. Okay, so stay with me here. Paul's writing to a church in the city of Corinth, to those sanctified, which really just means people who are becoming more truly who God created them to be. And those who are holy, that means they're distinctive, they're set apart from the culture around them in a good way. They're supposed to express a different reality. And then he says this, and to all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to all those everywhere. He's making this super broad, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what does that mean? Let me just say, he's not talking about the kind of calling on the name of Jesus that we may hear on the golf course. You know what I'm talking about here? You slice your tee shot, you shank your wedge, you land yourself in a deep sand trap, or you duff your chip shot, you may find yourself calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus. That is not what Paul is referring to here, okay? He is referring to people, all people anywhere, who recognize as best they can that Jesus is real, that Jesus is alive, and that in some way, shape, or form, he has the answer to their deepest question. And so they call out to him. They reach out to him. That's who Paul's writing to here when he says, to each. And notice that Paul does not say, to all those who call on the name of Jesus and who are really religious or who work for the church or who are super involved or who are just naturally gifted. Nope. There's no real qualifier here. It appears that Paul is pushing for a broad scope, an inclusive scope when he writes that letter. So I want you to understand, if you are here this morning and you are somewhere on this journey of encountering and following Jesus, Paul is writing this letter to you. You. Even you guys. And you. And listen to what he says to us. To each is given. That's the next phrase. Now, if something is given to you, it is a what? It's a gift. This is where, you know, real simple, this is where this idea of, of, the, of the gift part of the phrase spiritual gift comes from. 
What Paul is trying to get us to understand is this is not something we just drum up on our own. This is something that is given to us. It is pure gift. So to all those in every place who have called on the name of Jesus, a gift is given. Now what is it? Next phrase. To each is given a manifestation. There you go, clear. Right, great, what a super gift. Now, of course it begs the question, what is a manifestation? And every time I say that word, and as I studied it all week, I itched, because it's just too darn close to the word infestation, and then I just kept thinking of roaches and ants and mosquitoes and bugs, and then I was lost. But, sidebar, all a manifestation is, is something that clearly reveals, or shows, or announces, or displays, or demonstrates something else. A manifestation is something that demonstrates or shows or reveals something else. Example, it is hunting season. In fact, this is the opening weekend of hunting. And my husband cannot hunt because it's raining and thundering and lightning, so he's had to do dishes all weekend. Bless his soul. So, but it's hunting season, so bear with me on this story, get it? Stella, my dog, is a Labrador retriever, and she has within her the retriever, retriever, retrieval gene. So I I brought this picture. When Chuck shoots a duck, Stella's sitting right next to him on the dock. Chuck shoots the duck, and he gives her the retrieve command, which is just her name, Stella. And that dog dives off that dock, And next picture, she will swim through the world's thickest pile of lily pads no matter what to bring that duck back to Chuck. That rhymed. And as she does this, she is exhibiting a manifestation of her genetic makeup. Or to put it another way, her labradoriness is showing. It is being revealed by her behavior. It is being announced. It is being manifested. See, so a manifestation is simply something that clearly reveals or shows or announces something else. So to all those anywhere who've called on the name of Jesus, a gift is given And it is the kind of thing that clearly demonstrates or reveals or announces something. So the question is, what is that something? Paul tells us, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. Now, who is the Spirit? Right? This is the next question. Who or what is the Spirit? Well, in theological terms, the Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, one of the co-equal members of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Alice terms, the Spirit is not your weird Uncle Harry who only shows up to do and say weird things that freak people out, okay? That's not who the Spirit is. That's who we sometimes think the Spirit is, like the weirdo part of the Trinity. It's not true. The Spirit is simply the power and the presence of God in this world. And so this means that the Spirit looks and smells and sounds and acts like Jesus. 
The Spirit is Jesus' power and the presence of Jesus in the world around us. And actually, as Paul writes in this one verse, in us. So each is given a demonstration or a revealing of the power and the presence of Jesus in this world. This is so incredible. Because this means that inside you and inside me and inside all people everywhere who call in the name of Jesus, there is a divine spark, a Holy Spirit-activated energy that flows into us and through us and out into the world, and that spark reveals who Jesus is and what he's like and what he's up to. This is why when we talk about spiritual gifts here, and we say, you can, sometimes you can know what, when something is a spiritual gift because when you are practicing it or using it, you will notice that sometimes you end up accomplishing way more than you could ever do in your own strength or power. What we're, when we're talking about that, what we're trying to describe is the spirit's energy behind people's spiritual gift. I was thinking about that in my own life, and I just wanted to kind of pull back the curtain for a minute and tell you, every time I prepare a teaching like this one, I panic. Ask my friends about the text messages they get from me. I face a blank page, a blinking computer screen, my own weakness, and I open a Bible that feels like it's written in a foreign language. And every single time I say to God, help. And for almost 20 years now, without fail, the Spirit chooses, in spite of me, to manifest himself for the good of other people. I mean, I often wake up in the middle of the night with full paragraphs written in my head about what I feel God wants to say, and I turn the light on at 2 a.m., and I'm scribbling on a sheet of paper, and Chuck's like, what are you doing? I'm like, be quiet, honey. The Spirit is manifesting himself. <laughs> or maybe I'm driving my car, usually to Target. I don't know why. God chooses to reveal himself then, some kind of holy thing. I'm driving along and I can almost feel God's breath in my ear. Hey God, as he whispers a truth or reminds me of a story he wants me to share with you all. That is the spiritual part of this whole gift process, the manifestation of the spirit and it is in you too. And it is why Knowing and using our spiritual gifts help us know God better because it becomes like this cosmic game of peekaboo. We start to live into our gift and God shows up right and left like, hey, peekaboo, it's incredible. He wants to surprise us with his presence over and over and over. Okay. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Okay, so we have a who to each. We have a what, a manifestation of the Spirit. 
And now we have a why. Why are gifts given? For the common good. I love this. Spiritual gifts are not given to human beings to make us feel sassy or proud or to show off. Nope. They are given to us for the sake of other human beings around us. We are each given a manifestation for the good of our neighbor, for the good of the broken world. This was a life-changing truth for me. Again, almost 20 years ago, we were at, our small group was meeting and we were trying to help each other recognize where the manifestation of the Spirit was in each one of us. Where's the spark of the divine in you? We need each other to help us with that because we can't always see what's in us. And that small group of people who are still my closest friends were trying to get me to see that perhaps I had what the church would call the teaching gift. And I remember saying to them, it just seems so arrogant to me to say I have the teaching gift and I maybe should use it. And Kurt Vanderwill, who many of you know, he sometimes teaches here. He was an elder of the church at that time. He looked at me, he said, oh, Alice, it's not about you. It's all about using your gift to serve your neighbor, to serve the common good, to serve the church, to serve the world. In fact, not using your spiritual gift, that's what's selfish. Dude, think about this. The human being sitting next to you has a spark of the divine in them that they are called by their creator to use for your good and vice versa. So in a world where we slander other human beings for hobby, the God of the scripture speaks a different word to his people. And he paints a picture of a reality where everyone who calls on the name of Jesus is given as a pure gift, the manifestation of the Spirit, a spark of the divine that is to be used for the good of other human beings. And it's used to reveal to other people who Jesus is and what he's like and what he's up to. That is how God works through us. And all these gifts are to be used both within the church and without. They're to be used in the classroom. They're to be used uh, down at the police station. They're to be used in your homes. Uh, You don't need to preach all the time. Just manifest your gift. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And I want to just close with three truths about this that I want you to take home with you. First is this, we are called, each one of us, to discover and use our gifts. No one is exempt from this calling. And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, I encourage you to sign up for the upcoming class that's coming toward the end of September. You can go on our website and sign up. It is being taught by some of the brightest people I know about this topic. I pray that they have a room this big that they have to teach in because so many of us sign up. Second thing is we must own our uniqueness. As you seek to discover and use your spiritual gift, don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't seek somebody else's gift. Seek yours and use it 
as part of God's rich and wide and endless creativity. God does not make cookie cutter Christians. I can't think of anything more gross. It's a bunch of Christians all acting the same. No. There's this great rabbi, Rabbi Zusia, who, who said this. He said, when I die, God will not ask me why I was not like Moses, the great prophet of the Old Testament. God will not ask me why I was not like Moses. God will ask me why I was not like Zusia. Own your uniqueness. It's how God created you. And last, God wants our gifts to bring us joy and to draw us close to him. When we use our spiritual gift, it's like God's energy becomes the blood in our veins. It's as if God's power becomes our heartbeat. That's how close he is. And I believe we become more and more fully ourselves, more fully human, more fully alive when we use our gifts for the common good, for the good of the broken world. And so listen, you know, we can spend our one and only precious life watching Netflix or cable news. We can spend all of our days looking at our phones playing video games or trolling people on Twitter. This is always our choice. God always gives us a choice about what to do with our one and only precious life. Or we can choose to believe that to each has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And we can lace up our shoes and we can get off the bench and we can participate in our own uniquely created way in the work that the God of the universe is doing to redeem and call this world back to himself. So I don't know about you, but if I'm going to give my life to something it's going to be that. What is the spark of the divine in you? Let's pray. God, we are such material people. We only tend to believe in what we can see and feel and touch. And yet you are at work all around us and in us and through us if we only have eyes to see and faith to believe. Would you help us, God, every single person who made the effort to come to church this morning to take this one passage of your word to heart, that to any and all who have called on the name of Jesus, a gift is given, and it is a manifestation, a demonstration, a revealing of the Spirit, the presence of Jesus in the world, and it's given to us to be used in this dark and broken world that so desperately needs to see a spark of the divine. Please help each one of us to take this call and command seriously and to understand that you want us to discover and use our gifts because you want us to become more fully ourselves, more fully human, more fully alive. Because a human being fully alive is what brings you the most glory. I pray this all in Jesus' name.